Welcome to the Hidden Palace with Skyblaze. Good morning, afternoon, evening or night, wherever you are in the world. I am Skyblaze and this is the Hidden Palace here on Radio Sega. Uh, tonight we'll be covering what happens when a game leaves its native environment, whether that environment is a country or a particular bit of hardware. Things can go well when games are moved elsewhere, or things can sometimes go a bit awry. Such as when Guilty Gear XRD, is that how you pronounce it? I'm never sure. XRD. Sign. Anyway. Yeah, Guilty Gear XRD Sign uh, got its PS3 and PS4 release in the PAL region. Uh, not only was the game released six months after the Japanese and US release, it was not patched to fix known bugs despite being a digital-only release. To add insult to injury, the game was region-locked so that PAL players could only pay play with other PAL players, uh, not friends from other regions. Oh, and two DLC characters were left inaccessible to PAL players since no DLC was released in the PAL region. Thank you very much for that. Uh, the PAL region got a similar treatment when Persona 4 was released in Europe, ten months after the original release. Uh, this was despite fans warning Atlas that the localizers were, that they were going to use had a history of delayed releases. Um, so... That went well. Thankfully, Atlas did learn their lesson by the time the Ultimax was released, and that got pretty much about the same release about the same time as the other regions, which was good. But yeah, there's no excuse for a 10-month delay. That's ridiculous. It's like uh, a Sega game in recent years that had a city shitty PAL release. Gasp. Um, yeah, pretty much. Never mind. Anyway, let's have some music. Uh, let's have some music from Guilty Gear Xrd, Z or D, whatever the bloody hell you're supposed to call it. Uh, let's have a track called Give Me a Break from Guilty Gear. I'll see you after the break.
You're locked into Radio Sega. Ten years, the Sega is. Persona 4 Arena, the ultimate stage edit. And prior to that, we had Guilty Gear XRD sign, give me a break. So, um, you know, when you're porting a game, it's not often a wise idea to let some random cheapo studio handle the job of porting your game to from arcade to a home system such as Tiertex Design Studios, who are a European studio who have developed something of an infamous reputation for their spectacularly poor ports of arcade games to home systems, such as the port of Strider to the Master System. It was pretty clear right from the get-go that the Master System was pretty poorly equipped to handle what is a fairly fast-paced action platformer. But unlike the uh, NES version, the Master System version is generally considered by most to be completely unplayable. Uh, it's pretty telling that TRTX were also later handled the infamous sequel Strider Returns, which most fans of the series desire, usually pretending doesn't exist. Stri Strider Returns? What's that? I've never heard of it. That, that never happened. Sort of like the Matrix sequels. Or the Highlander sequels, for that matter. Future Rocket GBA. Uh, yeah, Green Viper's claiming that Chichi Rocket on the Game Boy Advance is better than the original. I don't know. Uh, Green Viper's asking if Tiertex were the ones who made Human Killing Machine. Yes, yes, they were. 
they well they tried to make it in about I think it was like three weeks or something equally insane. I think it was was that Atari ST? But yeah, they they developed their reputation when uh, trying to port games from the arcade to um, home computers like the Atari and the Amiga and the Commodore 64, usually really, really badly. But yeah, uh, so yeah, that's not a great idea. So if you're going to port something from one system to another, try and get somebody who knows what they're doing. Uh, let's have some tra a track from uh, from Strider. Let's have Siberian Wilderness 2. Uh, it does have a subtitle and I can't remember what it is. Uh, I'm sure it'll come up. But yeah, Siberian Wilderness 2 from the original Strider Arcade. See you after this. is short. Um, yeah, that was Siberian Wilderness 2 Long Dash from the original arcade Strider. Now most of us are aware that Japanese is a pretty difficult language and English is pretty tough for non-native speakers too. It's, they're both two of the hardest languages to learn from scratch on the planet. So when you're trying to translate a game script from one to the other, you're bound to run into some problems. But considering the budget that's usually put into a video game and how long people have been doing this now, sometimes it's pretty difficult to excuse some mistakes. Such as the line, I know you want me to be die, from Shining Force 2. In case you didn't catch that, I know you want me to be die. What? And then we get translations that are so awe-inspiringly bad that all you can do is laugh like a bloody drain. Like the entire opening scene of Zero Wing. It's the only cutscene in the entire goddamn game and yet it managed to launch a thousand all your base are belong to us and for great justice memes all by itself. 
seriously, the entire script for that scene is just a translation train wreck. It is hysterically funny and awful at the same time. It's actually pretty impressive for an otherwise fairly unremarkable shooting game. Ahahaha, Jamie, I, I'm, I beat you to it. Because he's, uh, he's just trying to remind me of all our base I belong to you and I beat you to it. Ha 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 ha. But yeah, the, the Shining Force 2 line, I, as, I assume it was meant to be I know you want me to, to die or be dead. Either way, it didn't go well. Yeah, Jamie, bearing in mind that yeah, you say you posted it before I said it. No, you didn't because there's lag. So I actually said it before you typed it. You just didn't hear it before. You know what I mean? Time, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, and so on and so forth. But yeah, the the entire that in, that zero wing cutscene. Uh, interestingly, though, players who of of the game who actually play it for the game really really hate the memes because there are so many people who only know it for that for those memes and that cutscene of that infamous cutscene. Even even the people who made the game are not terribly impressed with it. They're like, what? What? Why do people care? Oh, it's a it's a what? Oh, okay, right. Never mind. Ho hum. <laughs> let's have some more music. Uh, let's have Warrior of the Reviving Light from Shining Force Two, and after that, we'll actually have some music from Zero Wing. So enjoy.
Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7. Stage 2 BGM from Zero Wing. Um, prior to that, we had uh, Warrior of the Reviving Light from. Uh, where was it from? I have entirely forgotten, my brain is not working. Shining Force 2. <sighs> it's going to be one of those days, is it, apparently? Anyway, I mentioned before in my Vaporware episode, I think, uh, about the state of Fantasy Star Online 2 and its alleged English translation. 
Now there is, as was discussed during that episode, a Southeast Asian English translation for the game, since English is fairly widely spoken in that region, although not usually as a primary language. However, by all accounts, it is a truly awful translation, and it ignores the history of the game and how it usually ends up being translated, resulting in things such as techniques getting translated to magic, which doesn't really tell you what they are at all, really, because it's not really magic. Anyway, there are other problems compared with the Japanese version as well, such as Arcs Cash, which is the in-game currency, uh, depreciating in value very, very rapidly compared to the Japanese version, and costumes binding exclusively to certain characters upon equip, despite this, the fact that this doesn't happen in the Japanese version, as well as a region block that prevented Southeast Asian players from playing with anyone from Japan. The block was lifted in 2015, though. You know, tiny bit of good news. Uh, despite the existence of that English version, English-speaking players in the Southeast Asian region usually prefer to use the unofficial English fan patches, or wait in vain for the long-delayed US-slash-EU version. I doubt it's going to happen. It might, I could be wrong, but honestly, I really doubt it. Uh, it's worth noting that things have not exactly been happy, shiny, and full of fluffy kittens for Fantasy Star Online fans for quite some time. Uh, Sega cancelled Fantasy Star Online Universe, claiming that there weren't enough subscribers, despite the fact that Sega of Japan seemed to have been intentionally screwing up the North American slash international side of the game since launch. Content patches uh, for the servers were often months behind the Japanese releases, despite the fact that the content was already there on the disc. What the hell? Sega of Japan even dragged their feet when it came to things like tech support for the international version, uh, such as when there was a problem with the billing server during a limited time event. Sega of Japan waited until after the event was already over before giving the American team the go-ahead to actually fix the issue. So, all this in mind, it's not very surprising that Fantasy Star Online fans are a teensy bit annoyed with Sega of Japan these days. Just a little tiny bit. Yeah, uh, Green Viper saying uh, on disc DLC. Uh, oh yeah, on disc DLC uh, makes. Makes uh, makes ba baby uh, Segata Sanjiro cry. I think uh, we can all agree on that one. Uh, Jamie Jamie Wonderman is saying we're more than annoyed. Yeah, I I'm I'm displaying my uh, characteristic British restraint. Um, screaming tantrum would probably put it slightly better. And a great many people would really love to play it, but can't because they don't know Japanese, or don't want to mess about with English fan patches. Anyway, let's have some music from Fancy Star. Let's have a Vanishing Blade from Fancy Star Online 2. See you after the break.
Sega playing the best Sega music 24 7. Madness the Machine Sparks from Fantasy Star Universe and before that it was Vanishing Blade Quartz Dragon from Fantasy Star Online 2. Uh, yeah, Mr. Jamie Wonderman is talking about various uh, licensed and unlicensed uh, ports of Sega games that appeared mostly on the Famicom. Uh, I might go back and talk about bootlegs and licensed games at some other point, but I'm mostly doing licensed games today. Such as the PlayStation 2 ports of Sonic Heroes and Shadow the Hedgehog. Uh, Sonic Heroes on the PS2 has its frame rate capped at a measly 30 frames per second, which is not fantastic in a fast-moving game like a Sonic game. 
And bearing in mind that this is compared to 60 frames per second that the game gets on the GameCube, Xbox and PC versions. Uh, the PS2 version also suffers from lower resolution textures and character models compared with its other versions. Shadow the Hedgehog has a lower draw distance and frustratingly imprecise controls compared to other versions. I can speak from experience, I own the PlayStation 2 version of Shadow the Hedgehog. This makes me sad, because I like I actually quite like the game. I, I like Shadow the Hedgehog a bit more than Son Sonic Heroes, actually, but the fact that the controls are so slippery annoys me. Rumour has it that Sony actually threatened to boycott Sega's products on their hardware unless Sega released Shadow the Hedgehog and Sonic Heroes for the PS2, which forced Sega to go back to the drawing board and use an inferior multi-platform engine instead of the custom in-house one that they had been using up until that point, just so they could make sure they completed the project on time. Arg, thanks for that, Sony. Uh, I.O. is saying that the PS2 is shit. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Uh, but those versions are just, just makes me sad. They just make me very sad. I'm quite fond of my PlayStation 2. There are some fantastic games on it, but Shadow of the Hedgehog and Sonic Heroes are not two of them. I have the GameCube version of uh, Sonic Heroes kicking around somewhere. I haven't played it very much because meh, but I should get the... One of the other versions of Shadow the Hedgehog at some point. I'm back to. However, Sonic Heroes and Shadow the Hedgehog both have superb music, so let's listen to some of it. Uh, let's listen to Julian Kay's This Machine, the theme of Team Dark from Sonic Heroes. Enjoy.
Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7. Final Doom version from Shadow the Hedgehog by Crush 40, because Crush 40 are awesome. And This Machine by Julian K, the theme of Team Dark from Sonic Heroes. 
Um, yeah, I'm I'm running quite short on time, and I've still got quite a lot to talk, to, to talk about, so I'm going to speed through. Uh, Magic Knight Raya for the Saturn. Initially announced as a launch title, believe it or not, the US port was stuck in development hell for three years, at least partially due to the baleful stupidity of one Sega of America executive, Bernie Stolar. Now, one of these days, I will do a proper retrospective on the Saturn and go into great detail about this man. But until then, suffice it to say that I am not his biggest fan. He reportedly hated RPGs and did his dead level best to prevent them from coming out in the US, regardless of how good they were. He'd already been booted out of Sony after he tried to prevent Final Fantasy VII from being released outside of Japan. You know... Final Fantasy VII, one of the most successful games ever made. Slow clap, that man. Ugh. Anyway, there was also apparently a scuffle relating to what to call the game's protagonists from Magic Knight Rayearth, with the developer wanting to keep the original names, while other parties, possibly including uh, Sega of America, wanted to give them Americanized names, as was pretty common practice when it came to Japanese media, including anime and manga, at the time. As it ended up, though, Magic Knight Rayearth was the last Saturn game officially released in the US. And the protagonists did get to keep their original Japanese names. So, there you go. Uh, let's have some music from Magic Knight Rayearth. Um, I do actually have something from the uh, Magic Knight Rayearth Saturn version. Uh, this is Heaven's Labyrinth from Magic Knight Rayearth. Enjoy.
we are back, and that was uh, Heaven's Labyrinth from Magic Knight Rayearth Saturn version. Uh, I was pretty worried about running over, but the mighty Casey has come down from upon high and said that it's alright for me to run over, so yay! Hidden Palace after hours it is! Go! <laughs> uh, never mind. Now, while it's sometimes understandable why changes are made to games for international release, uh, particularly when you're talking about uh, cross-cultural confusion and things that don't tend to translate very well between languages, like jokes for instance, uh, sometimes the alterations are kind of inexplicable. Like the removal of an entire level from the American and European versions of Rystar for the Game Gear. The strange thing is about this is that the level is still right there in the code, but the game is programmed to skip it. So you can't even say that it was to save space or, or anything, because it's still there. Which means that one of the levels is, like, shorter than the others for no readily apparent reason. I, I have yet to see anybody come up with an actual reason for this, I really don't understand it. At least when Sega removed five levels from Enduro Racer for the Master System, they did it so they could use a smaller 1 megabit cartridge instead of a 2 megabit cartridge in order to save costs. Similarly to the American version of Captain Silver, also for the Master System, uh, uh, where was I on that? Yeah, similarly the American version of Captain Silver for the Master System um, uses a 1 megabit cartridge. Though the game manual still mentions the missing elements of the game, despite the fact that they aren't there. Curiously, however, Europe did get the full 2 megabit version of the game, possibly because the Master System, as I mentioned in my Master System retrospective, did a lot better here in Europe than it did in America. So there we go. Uh, let's have some, some music from, uh, from Rystar Game Gear. Uh, let's see. Rystar Strange Pirates. That's a pretty good track. So let's let's have some uh, some Rystar music, and I'll see you after the break.
mega music, live shows, and the chance to request your favorites. This is RadioSega.net. in-game BGM SID stereo version from the Commodore 64 version of Enduro Racer. Uh, mostly using the C64 version because A, Sid Chip, goddamn, Sid Chip is amazing, and B, uh, I couldn't find the Master System version of Enduro Racer music. Oh well, and I like the Sid Chip, so you can all bite me. Um, uh, Green Viper's complaining about the, uh, the that music. I like it, so there. Um, moving on. <laughs> moving on very swiftly. Uh, Mr. Jamie Wonderman was saying that for the right star for the Game Gear to play the missing level, uh, if you use a Game Gear emulator and set the region to Japanese, you can play that missing level. Uh, I probably should do that at some point and actually check what they are like, but still. It's not all bad when it comes to ports of games though. Sometimes you do get pretty cool bonuses, like the Mega Drive slash Genesis version of Golden X, which got an extra level, a new final boss, and a dual mode. Also, for all the stick that the poor, poor 32X got during its lifetime, its port of Virtual Racing, which was called Virtual Racing Deluxe, gets two extra cars and five tracks instead of three, as well as much smoother gameplay compared to the somewhat choppy Mega Drive version. Deluxe is also fairly notably one of the first console games to have actual damage rendered on the car during gameplay, which is pretty cool. Uh, likewise, Virtual Fighter for the 32X is considered to be a near-perfect port, despite the somewhat blocky wooden graphics. As it keeps every character and their movesets, it has excellent music, arcade quality controls and other extras which are not featured in any other version of the game to my knowledge. 
Many people consider it to be the actual main reason to buy a 32X. So it turns out 32X does very well when it is given games with the word Virtua in the name. Who knew? So on that note, I think we should have some music from those two games. Uh, Casey's saying that I should have asked him for the Enduro, uh, Enduro Racer music. It's okay. I'll, I'll cope. Plus it gives me an excuse to play Sid Chip music. <laughs> Bearing in mind, I am a person who did an entire mixtape which was called Com Adore about the Commodore 64. I am that sort of person. Um, but yeah, uh, up next, uh, Virtua Fighter... Uh, I think this is actually the Saturn version. Uh, no, it's, yeah, it's the Saturn version. Uh, this is Sarah. Uh, so Sarah Stage, I think, from the Virtua Fighter on the Saturn.
And that was the ending theme from Virtua Racing Deluxe. And before that, it was Virtua Fighter Remix of For the Saturn, Sarah's theme. I don't know what it is about the Discord chat tonight. There's there's a lot of people talking about Chow, as in uh, Sonic Adventure Chow. And Rexy has posted a video uh, which is comparing the Sega 32X uh, to the Sega Saturn Virtual Fighter games. I'm going to have to watch that later because that'll actually look pretty interesting. Anyway, uh, back to what I'm supposed to be talking about because uh, I'm running 10 minutes over. The mobile releases of Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 can pretty much be considered remakes instead of ports considering that they run in widescreen with HD graphics add Tails and Knuckles as playable characters, allow Spin Dash as a feature that you can turn on for Sonic 1, and puts back the removed Hidden Palace, name drop people, uh, into Sonic 2 as a secret level. Now if you compare the awful, awful port of Sonic 1 to the Game Boy Advance, which is known as Sonic the Hedgehog Genesis, now, for reasons best known to Sega, the original Sonic 1 source code was not available for the developers to use. I don't know why, I don't know if they lost it, I don't know if they just couldn't find it, or if they just didn't license it to the developers for the reasons best known to themselves. This actually forced the team who were working on this version to use the Sonic Advance engine and try and cram the Sonic 1 level maps into it. Because the Sonic Advance engine was not designed to use maps that were that large, it ended up causing an awful lot of bugs that were not in the original game, as well as near crippling slowdown in areas that were quite busy with enemies. This is despite the fact that the Game Boy Advance's hardware was quite superior compared to the original version of Mega Drive. I don't know what the hell was going on there. Um, also bearing, worth bearing in mind that it was rushed to... Uh, release because of the 15th anniversary, similar to what happened to Sonic 06. And this is before I even start talking about the horribly compressed MIDI versions of the music. Now let me let me just do a quick impression of my reaction when I first heard the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog Genesis versions of the music. Oh, well it can't be that bad, I mean the originals were, were synthesised, I mean how bad could it- OH MY GOD WHAT THE HELL! So yeah. Oh god, why? 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 <laughs> anyway. Now that I, I've, like, summoned up my own trauma, I've managed to trigger myself, uh, hooray. Um, Uh, I'm gonna leave you with uh, one last piece of music um, from FF Music DJ. Hidden, it's called Hidden Palace Future because I mentioned Hidden Palace uh, just now, and I really like this track. I think it's great. Um, plus, I haven't had many remixes on the show today, so thank you every uh, everyone who has been listening. Um, Thanks to uh, Green Viper, Rexy, SBK, PT Kickass, uh, II, uh, Mr. Wonderman, uh, Doan, and various other people who are in the chat. Uh, thanks to everybody who's been on um, 
the Twitter who said hello. Thank you to people who responded to the poll last week, because this is obviously the second part of that. And to Twinny who put up the poll in the first place. Uh, oh, hi Neverwolfen. I, I didn't see you there. Uh, yeah, Neverwolfen is saying, one of these days Skyblaze, you're gonna have to stop holding back and tell us what you really think. Yeah, I, I know. It's, uh, it's a thing. Anyway, uh, thanks to everyone who's been listening today. I've been Skyblaze, this has been The Hidden Palace. And I will see you out with Hidden Palace Future from FF Music DJ over on OC Remix. I will see you all next week. I've not decided what I'll talk about yet, but I'm sure it'll come to me. I uh, hope to see you all then. Thanks and good night. Bye bye.
enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.